Hello, hello. Hello. Hi, we are, we're live. And uh, I'm not sure what podcast number this is, because that's usually something Joey um, brings to the table, and he's not here today. So, uh, well, he's, he's in the office, sitting next to me, having his lunch. But um, he's not on the microphone with us. Instead, it's just myself and Anna, and Paul will be joining us soon. Uh, so, we're, it's, it's Mental Health Week. And we've got, uh, we've got a special guest in. We've got Anna, who's a psychologist, and she specialises in pain management, trauma. I might actually hand that over to you, Anna. So, hi, Anna. Hi, T. Uh, would you like to introduce yourself and tell us what, uh, what you do? I'm a psychologist. I'm a generalist psychologist. So, that basically means I specialise... Well, well I, I do most broad categories of mental health. At the moment, I specialise in defence and trauma... And I have a history in pain management and I worked in forensic sp- systems, namely drug and alcohol and adolescent work. Awesome. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> okay, this is interesting stuff, yeah. So when you say mental health, what, can you define that for us? Because, I mean, we're, 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 we're health specialists at Jungle Brothers but mm-hmm. not necessarily in that area. Well, we're delving into that area mm-hmm. at the moment. But yeah, maybe you could tell us a little bit more about what your definition of mental health actually is. I think mental health is a very broad term, so it's just like saying physical health, really. And I, and I like to think that we, if we looked more at mental health like we looked at our physical health, we might look after it better. So mental health, I think, has a bit of a negative connotation and that we, we feel like that's only a term that's applicable for people that might be suffering from severe mental health issues. But we all need to monitor our mental health and it's much easier to do that uh, because it's, we're all essentially susceptible to d- developing mental illness, which is a bit different, I suppose, to mental health. Right. And if we don't look after it, um, w- we all have that potential to, to get to a state, I suppose, where our, brain's in, our brain becomes unhealthy. So, so how, do you, what would you, how do you define like, the health aspect? Are they, so let's say... I'm guessing there's a little, there's a bit of a line between mm-hmm. how you diagnose somebody mm-hmm. who's mentally healthy and then now mm. okay, they're suffering from an illness. Mm-hmm. Um, how do you, how do you come to that conclusion? Well, there's a, a huge book devoted to diagnostic criteria for mental health. So it's, again, it's very broad, but essentially it would come down to our thoughts, feelings, and behaviours becoming impaired. So that means that it starts to affect how we socialise, how we work our physical health, how we sleep, our appetite, um, and, and, and a number of bio and psychosocial changes start to occur. Right. And these could also be cha- uh, like symptoms that you could be born with, I'm guessing, as well? Or is it something that, that you kind of catch? Not <laughs> like a cold, but... <laughs> Well, it, it doesn't really typically have that sudden onset. So I guess that's where it can be somewhat easier to manage, but people, it, it can sneak up on you a little bit if you're not careful. It, um, right. it usually accumulates over time and, it's, and, and you suddenly, it, it's not like you suddenly wake up severely depressed. You, it, you gradually get depressed, for instance, right. and off, usually. And so sometimes people have been unwell for quite a long time, but they haven't really noticed those changes because they've gradually occurred and it's not until work notice or a friend notices or something else pushes them to come to therapy. Um, but I, I guess what we what we'd typically look for is if um, usually for a, a period of three months or more, if people are withdrawing socially, if they're having issues in their relationships, if they're having trouble turning up to work, they're not able to concentrate, um, there's, we're noticing angry outbursts or... Um, significant changes in behaviour, but some people do have a biological susceptibility, so they might be more predisposed to those conditions. Mm, yeah, it's interesting yeah. you say that because even though, I mean, we don't... I, I mean, I'm, I'm not a psychologist, mm-hmm. but I know when somebody's mental state has changed, uh, mm. people that are around me or that I know, or even if somebody mm. comes into the gym, mm. that's a little less... Uh, just showing signs of uh, different social... Uh, interactions that are, that that have a negative effect on the people around them, mm-hmm. um, mm. for instance. And you know, there's something mm. there's something going on there. You know, mm. um, and that can make it hard because social connections so important in mental health, but they're often pushing away people. Yes, that are close to them. And, and that was yeah. going to be my next question because it, it's such a 
it's a, such a taboo subject. Mm. No one talks about it, but so let's say somebody comes in and they've got a limp and it's like, oh, that person's injured. Yeah. But you're not like, oh, that person's injured. I'm just not going to go near them. Absolutely. You know what I mean? Mm. Or oh, someone's got uh, the flu. Well, maybe flu is a bit different because mm. you can catch it, but <laughs> you're still not going to ostracize that person because you're worried about your own or whatever it is that, that turns you mm. off them. But if somebody shows signs of some kind of mental illness, usually it's like there's like this, in, like you, you, you see people start to, to distance themselves from these people. And you're saying that um, the social interaction is, is good for them and it helps them, so I'm guessing important. it helps them heal. Mm. Um, the fact that it's such a taboo subject doesn't do any favours for somebody who's suffering from mental illness. No. Um, so and, and they often have trouble talking about it or identifying it themselves. Well, yeah, or maybe they don't even yeah. know. You know? Mm. Mm. Or if they do know, it doesn't... Do, how do you... So the, the question off the back of that is you have uh, this effect that um, it's a taboo subject. Um, somebody comes in, let's say, let's get a bit of snow. Someone's coming into the gym. They're suffering from a men- mental illness. could be quite mm. obvious. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's something that's because it's a taboo subject. It's a hard one to mm. to to approach mm. in a way. Mm. And then this person gets ostracized. Or it could be in any any environment, and it's doing potentially more damage. Now, how do you how do you confront a situation like that? It's a very it's you want to help tough, them obviously, yeah. especially and for us in a gym. It mm. could what we want to promote is health. Mm. Is it about educating the people that have interaction with this person or? Is it about trying to teach this person how to to interact a little a little more ec- like socially acceptably, if that's a way of saying it? Like, yeah, I think that's that's a tough question. I guess it would depend on how if if they have disclosed they have mental health difficulties and and how how comfortable they would be with you disclosing that to others. I suppose. Right. Uh, so I think it would probably be more likely to an individual conversation. Yeah. And if they have disclosed, that's obviously more helpful. But you might say, look, I know you're having a bit of a hard time at the moment. I really want to support you with that. However, I've, I've noticed a few of these behaviours. Is there anything we could do to maybe help you manage that? Um, it, I'm assuming you're talking maybe about uh, negative interaction they're having with others, or yeah, look, we've got we've ha- we've had a f- have, we've got a few people that have come through the gym mm. that have had mental mel- mental health issues, mm. and um, well, one in five people, up to one in five people, well, can be yeah. affected okay, at any time. So Probably more. Yeah, than I think in any realize. work or yeah. any gym, yeah. you can look around and there'd be at least a handful people of people. Suffering. Yeah. Well, I know that there's a couple that have been. That have that have been open to me about it, mm, and that's great. Yeah, the the uh, the approach that I've always taken is just treat them like anyone else. And if I see mm-hmm. something that's a little bit out of the norm, I'll just let let them know. You know, I'll mm. say, okay, let's review what just kind of happened then, <laughs> 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 and uh, we'll talk about how we can we can make that better for you and people around you, um, and then be there when these people are. Uh, what I've found with people that I've been around that have been suffering from any kind of like mental health issues is that there's always been these waves yeah. kind of come. Some mm. days are good, some mm. days are bad, like anyone, I guess. Mm. just seems a bit more extreme and that's at Im- times. that's important to notice because it can be, uh, particularly in workplaces I've worked in, uh, that we might have people downgraded or they might be getting extra assistance for mental health and people look at them and go, oh, I saw them laughing in the lunchroom this yeah. morning. Like, yeah. like that means anything. And yeah. then they almost feel they have to play the role out of it. So mm. it's really important to remember that people can be good at putting on a front or there are some times where they feel really good yeah. when they've got a mental health difficulty. But mm. it, it's something that gradually gets better. And I guess, again, if you went, if you went back to treating it like a physical injury, it, it gradually gets better. If and there's some days it. it's some days you've pushed it a little hard. Right. So it, you might wake up a bit sore. And, and some days you wake, wake up and you're like, actually, I think I can push it a bit further today. And, and that's how mental health works. Mm. So what, what, are the, what would be the causes of your... Like, I know I'm guessing there'd be a, a, a range, but what are, the, what are the more common causes that you would, you'd come into, into contact with and people that you're, you're treating? It's, it's, there's such a wide range. It, it's so complex in terms of every diagnosis, what might have contributed 
to their, their disorder. And some are, as we, we touched on a bit earlier, um, certainly more what we call biological. Uh, there's more, you're more likely to inherit those. So things like bipolar or, or schizophrenia, but there's always, there's a biological susceptibility to that. But there's usually a stressor that means right. that, that actually, I guess, for want of a better word, activates mm. that actual disorder. So we're talking so like, a, like trauma. Like a there's often yeah. a, a history of trauma. High stress job. Yes. Could do it. Yes. Physical injury. Physical. Yeah. It is often a really drugs. drugs. Drugs would be a big one. Yes. Drugs. Are, yeah. Drugs. Are, I mentioned Huge. drugs yeah. because I, I've had experience mm. around. Well, one of my best mates ended up. Um, becoming a, 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 he got addicted to ice, mm. uh, methamphetamine, mm. and he's always been that guy who mm. likes to dabble with all kinds of different, you know, substances. But this one, this one really nailed him, and mm. um, it got so bad. He turned up to my house on a Monday night at about twelve o'clock. My mm. wife had just had my firstborn, uh, my daughter, and she was six months old at the time. And I opened the door, and my Fucking mate standing there and he's like boggle-eyed, like pinpricks in the snow. And I'm looking at him and I'm like, man, hey, how are you? <laughs> I'm, I'm like, you know, still my underpants, half asleep, <laughs> banging on the door. And he's like, hey, T, can I come in? And I'm like, yeah. Uh, so obviously, you know, I've been friends with this boy since we were like three years old, five years old. So, and he's very close to me. And um, I kind of knew he was in, you know, you don't go to someone's house at 12 o'clock at night if... Unless you're in a bit of trouble. Mm. I didn't realise he was as high as he was or he'd been awake for as long as he was. Mm -hmm. And he came into my house and as he walked past me, he had this big fucking kitchen knife down the back of his pants. And I was like, hey, bro, what's the deal with the uh, kitchen knife? And he's like, turns around, looks at me and he's like, oh, oh, what this? And he whips it out and he's like holding this knife in my hallway. Mm. And I'm like, Jesus, I'm like, what the hell's going on? Anyway... He tells me that he's had this big binge and uh, his dealer has been crawling through his roof, looking through little slits in the, in the roof, watching him and his girlfriend was next door banging on the door and all of this crazy stuff. And he's waving this knife around in my lounge room. And I'm like, I, 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 I know that this guy's sick right now, you know? Mm -hmm. And I know that all of the stuff that he's telling me is so ridiculously far-fetched, it's impossible. And I tried to reason with him on this and it, it was so real to him. Like mm. the, 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 um, his interaction with mm. these images and mm. the stuff, the, the, he, even the smell and the taste and the, mm. and the texture of things was, was real, but of, mm. of things that just didn't happen. Mm. Uh, he was always susceptible to depression. So mm. it was like this just kind of, it was, a, it was a trigger that you're talking about, just took him yes. to the next level and mm. then... Um, yeah, I, I had to bring him back down to earth and just say, look, bro, I got a six-month-year-old baby. Mm. You've come in on a Monday night, it's 12 mm. o'clock, and you're waving a kitchen knife around in my lounge room. You've got mm. to try and bring your head back together and just think about mm. where you're at and what you're doing right now. Mm. Just forget about what's just happened. Just think about what you're doing right now. And it kind of brought him back in. Mm. But here's the other thing. Like, I wanted to help him. It's my best mate. But it got to the point mm. where every time we talked, I was just entertaining the his his psych psychosis. Like he would just mm. tell me more about the images that he's having, and 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 it was all real to him. Mm. And I and I thought I, I couldn't do it anymore because I I mm. just couldn't listen to to what I knew wasn't real, mm. but to him it was. Mm. And I had to I had to distance myself and. A couple of weeks later, he ended up um, in a in a um, psycho in a psychiatric um, uh, hospital. Mm -hmm. He got caught running down the street in his underpants and broad daylight, mm. jumped over the butcher's mm. counter. All, all this stuff happened anyway. Um, I felt a tremendous amount of guilt because I felt like I'd turned my back on him, mm. um, but I didn't know what else to do. Mm. So I I think the I mean the question is. When, and it doesn't need to get to this stage because obviously he needed probably a little mm. bit more early inter intervention. Absolutely. But how do you, when you have somebody close to you or not um, and you can see these signs mm. and they possibly can't, mm. where, what do you, where do you go from there? 
I think that's a really important question because I see people that your friend was obviously very very unwell, and there's there's actually in that state nothing you can do to help him. Yeah. He needs professional help, and so it, it's and that's not being critical at all because a, a, a lot of people go through a similar scenario and there's this conflict in terms of. I can't call the police on him or I can't call mental yeah. health service on him anymore. I'll lose his trust and he won't... He, yes. I, I don't know what will happen to, to, to him or, or her. Um, and Or yourself in yes. a situation like yes. that. Yes, yes. Because also and you don't want to upset someone swinging a knife around your lounge room. I think it's you know? very important and and this is this is the point. If, if you don't do something, he will, he will either... Th- it will either result in suicide police custody or him him seriously potentially sabotaging work or other relationships and the earlier you get in the more likely you can you can help these people mm. because sometimes particularly with something like psychosis or drug induced psychosis it gets to a point where it's it's permanent and you you can't the, the brain's hardwired and fixed like that but if you can get in really early mm. so I, I guess with with that example I could give you an example of somebody I worked with and his brother called me so I, I wasn't getting having much success with this client because I knew he was still using when he came to see me and it was right. he was using ice. And one night his brother called me and it was almost a similar situation to yours where he thought someone attacked the house and he was running around, I think, with a knife and, uh, you know, it's quite acute paranoia. Yeah. And he said, what do I do? And I said, you call the police or an ambulance immediately because yeah. there's nothing we can do in that when, when, when they've, they're that... That deluded deep. and paranoid, yeah. and you don't entertain any of the, the psychosis symptoms that you spoke about because it's like you were trying to talk to him just to keep him talking, but you, you can't entertain any of that. Well, yeah, he wouldn't talk about anything else. Right, that and, was and, and even then, it. even though he wasn't being dangerous, that's that's the sign you need to, to call emergency mental health services, and you can Google that, and they'll send somebody around, and, and they're the professionals that know how to deal with that because he, he really needed an inpatient hospital admission to detox because it's dangerous also physically to suddenly come off these drugs if they've been using for quite some time and, mm. and this drives their compulsion yeah um they're they almost um they can't be they can't think adequately for themselves so you, you have to get a professional to step in when it's when it's that bad when you really bad. do yeah yeah um, get and that even early intervention or or step away absolutely and similar for, for people that might disclose suicidal ideation you, you can't help somebody that's that severely depressed yeah. their, their their thoughts feelings and behaviors are, are really in a in a impaired state and they've probably been like that for a while right so you you really need to there's emergency services and they're really helpful at stepping you through how you might talk about it or um so you, you can just google there's so many you know um beyond blue um or you can even just go to your hospital but they'll send around emergency crisis support services for for your friend right. and a lot of people worry about the fallout, but I guess in terms of my experience where I've admitted a lot of people and they've, they've been really against it and they've been really angry and there's been screaming and crying and I'm worried about my physical yes. safety sometimes, they've always come back and thanked me. Yeah, always. Okay. Well, and they've been so grateful even though at that moment they... Feels like you've they hated betrayed me. them. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, they felt I'd betrayed them. Yeah. Um, because it's it's been necessary. It's yeah. th- that sort of intervention yeah. is needed. Yeah, uh, yeah. So, well, going on with this same story, mm. uh, when he came out of uh, hospital, he was he he was seeing a psychologist, mm-hmm. and uh, that psychologist gave him a bunch of antidepressants, mm-hmm. and he was he was okay now. Like he didn't have any of the mm-hmm. images and the rest of it, but it um, stifled. All of his other emotions, and he felt like mm. he was like The Walking Dead. Mm-hmm. And he, he, we were chatting about, it and he said, "Look, I've got no more voices, even though what I remember felt mm. like it was reality, and it still mm. will be to me today. But the voices are gone, and the images are gone. But w- w- the way I feel right now, I would prefer to feel mm. the psychosis because I feel like I'm. He's saying, I feel mm. like I'm dead. Mm. So he went through this." Um, the system where he had a bunch of drugs and we talked about, I asked him, is mm. there some way, because I mean, I'm going back to what you were saying, mm. it seemed like, okay, well, I know when somebody's on medication for something physical and mm. I know this through experience, let's say it's thinners mm. for, for uh, issues with your heart or um, 
you've uh, got you know, high blood sugar levels and that kind of stuff. When you train and you mm. exercise, you can start to mitigate um, your medication. And I was thinking maybe you should have a chat with your psychologist about some way of starting to drop your dosage and hopefully like heal yourself back into a position where you're mm-hmm. not feeling, like not seeing or, or hearing things, mm-hmm. but you can start feeling things again, you know. Mm. Uh, I think that's a really good suggestion. Oh, thanks. <laughs> yeah, and then, and then I kind of stepped away from it because I felt like I was delving into places that I... As, as long as you're always yeah. putting that, running that by the mental health professionals, obviously. Yeah, so. I didn't even... I just said ask, ask, you yeah. know. Yeah, just, of course. Just, you can't hurt to ask. Mm. Uh, and so in, in, in any mental health uh, program, there should be what we call active strategies to improving your mental health. So that would include things like... Uh, cognitive behavioural therapy, so looking at the way you're thinking and, and I guess almost like thinking challenging exercises or yeah. or meditation or mindfulness or exercise and increasing socialisation and there should be all of these strategies that you have on board because the medication alone only works so much. Yeah. And, and yeah, uh, for most mental health disorders, you'd hope that there would... Th- there'd be a gradual transition to coming off the medication. So you're self-managing. Yeah. There are some – and that's usually when they're left untreated for a long time. There are a lot of people that are reliant on them for the rest of their life. Yeah. They get, a, I guess, a more that stable dose. Yeah. Um, and, and, and with your friend, I'd imagine that it sounded like he was very unwell. That yeah. might be the case. And, and, it, and you would probably – I'd imagine he'd probably on medication for at least a couple of years – before yep. they consider him stable enough, depending how how long he was unwell for. Yep. So the longer you're unwell, the the harder it is for your brain to, to, to get recover. back to its normal normal. Yes, makes, normal it makes a loose total word, sense. Because yeah. yeah. you've got that long term damage that you're kind of dealing with. Absolutely. In a situation like that. Yeah. Uh, he started moving into those areas Great. on his own accord. So he got into some meditation and Great. a lot of. Um, uh, he, he was doing a lot of just uh, being present. Mm-hmm. Um, this, uh, what do you call it? It's like a positive reinforcement, all this kind of stuff, just to try and try and get himself feeling emotions again. But the other thing that he combined with that was exercise, and that's where I came in and we got him into some mm. some programming and mm. some light exercise. Mm-hmm. We combined that with his meditation mm. and then the dosages started to come mm-hmm. down, mm-hmm. which was fantastic. Mm. Um, somebody like this is in a lot of pain uh, and I'm guessing when someone's suicidal, there's, there's, there's pain. That it di- mm. what kind of, how do you um, distinguish that kind of pain in comparison to the pain you feel when you're training or the pain we feel when someone cuts you with a knife? And... When you're dealing with this kind of pain management, the pain management that you're talking about, like, how what's the process with that? Like, how do you how do you diagnose it, and then how do you stop? Like, l- like how do you lower the their pain uh, threat or heighten their pain threshold for this kind of stuff, or just lower the amount of pain that they that they're feeling? Are you talking about um, – so pain management was when I was working with people with chronic pain Physi- conditions. Right. So there was physical conditions exacerbating their mental health and uh, vice versa. Okay. It, yep. was, it became this horrible biofeedback cycle that that they found really difficult to get out of. So yep. it's obviously harder to engage in exercise when you un, uh, physically y- – Yeah, have, okay. Have a, and, and then their fears around their injury and – what that means if they were once really physically fit, how that affects their identity, that that, that becomes a whole a different thing. But I guess you're asking oh, more let's about go there. Yeah? Yeah, okay. that sounds good. <laughs> so let's start with the let's start with the what 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 is chronic pain? Chronic pain is essentially it's defined as pain that persists for longer than three months. Yeah. So and I find that a little bit interesting because mental health disorders we also define as mental health symptoms that have lasted for at least three months. Right. And so it's like in pain management, I don't really look at the pain, the brain and the body as separate. It's it's more like a central nervous system that gets affected by messages from the brain and um, I guess nerves that trigger these messages of pain. And sometimes um, it's really sort of funny sensations like numbness or or there's the neuropathic pain conditions where you might um, it's like the nerves go the wiring goes a little bit funny after say particularly a crush injury and you can touch a cold bench but instead of feeling a cold bench you feel 
like your hands on fire. Oh, or, wow. So it's, it, there's some really complex conditions like that that we used to treat that are largely, again, like mental health, not really appreciated, I think, in the general community. So um, that biofeedback, if somebody was in pain, is sending threatening messages to the brain, which then responds by feeling like it's under threat. So then you get anxious. Yes. Okay. Um, or it, you... A bit paranoid. Yeah. Yeah, yeah you don't... Scared. Well, and you're not leaving the house Hi, as Paul. much, so you start to become socially anxious. You, um, every time you do something, you it hurts, so you become very unmotivated. So, and I guess that can lead mm. to to the painkillers thing, and yes. then having to take more drugs, and yes, that could start to be a bit of a spiral there. Yeah, absolutely. Which people were on, um, and and actually, what happens is your your body's very adaptive. So anything, so we, we had conditions like hyperalgesia where they've been prescribed so much pain medication that their body responds by becoming very sensitive to pain because it believes it has an important message to tell the brain. So yes. they would actually treat their pain by getting them to come off pain medication and they would sometimes, their pain, their, their perception of pain would actually initially really increase but and then, then it would decrease stop. because the hyperalgesia would be effectively treated. So... It's yes. like a desensitizing process kind of yes, thing. Yes, absolutely. We do it, we do it in the gym. Absolutely. Well, obviously not to that level, like that, yeah. that approach. But let's say we get someone who, who hasn't Yeah, you do it very well here. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I have trained at Jungle Brothers. Yes, and <laughs> yeah. he's trained with us. <laughs> and um, just, I mean, you remember the first time yeah. you had to hang from the bar for yes. you know, yeah. 30 seconds. <laughs> yes. And how sore the hands feel. Yeah. And it's like someone sticking yeah. needles in your hand and then... A month later, yeah. you're hanging there for a minute, minute and a half. Yeah. Well, and my arms wouldn't uh, even go above my head. You <laughs> probably remember. Like, oh, what's wrong I do with remember. <laughs> <laughs> and then, um, and then the pain starts to dissipate, and it's almost mm. like a like a desensitizing process mm. because. But we part of that process is also which yeah. it, with with Jungle Brothers is also psychological, which is mm. getting you used to the movements and get, building your confidence. Yeah. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think uh, the like mental health side of things become really apparent to us since we mm. opened our gym we didn't realize how important uh that uh kind of community environment social interaction was to people until they told us and it was we had a commercial that we that we had that we put on facebook mm. and uh, the guys that came to shoot it asked everyone what's the first thing that comes to mind when you think jungle brothers and, mm. and we were like okay our members are going to get asked mm. this question mm. and i was thinking oh i wonder we were thinking what are they going to say and i thought people were going to say oh you know cool movements and mm. you know sweat sweating it up and mm. whatever all that other training stuff mm. but every single person every single one said community and i was like that's really interesting because mm. they've put their social interaction before the results of their training, even though they all came to the gym saying, oh, you know, I want to get fit, want to get strong, want to get pain-free, want to get more mobile, all of these physical attributes, then you have this one that's like just come out of nowhere and like, okay, well, mm. this is something that mm. obviously people need mm. if they're saying that it's the most, it's the first thing that comes to mind when they think about an environment like this, that how can we co build that, co keep building that culture and feeding it? The, you know? There was a, a huge study across many, many different cultures that can, um, what we call meter analysis and it combines all these different studies together and it, it, it found that the biggest factor overall was social connection and, and just even social networks. So the more social networks you had, the less likely you were to complain of things like depression or, or the happier or more content you felt. And when I get somebody that comes in with some mood difficulties and I notice that they're isolated or they have significant issues with, with connection, I'm really, I, I know I've got to put a lot of work into mm. to helping them create that. But it's really difficult for some people. Um, and, and Jungle Brothers is great like that. It it's, is. It's very inclusive. And yeah. it's, I think, I can imagine it's made a big difference for a lot of people that you're probably not even aware of because as I said, some well, people are good at masking it. Yes. And yeah, for sure. And I've I've seen I've seen the the positive uh, results. For people that have come to me in the gym and told me that they have mm. that they've got a they've been diagnosed, mm. and I've watched their them change over that time. Mm. Just like you watch someone physically change, mm. get stronger, or get mm. more mobile. You watch them interact a little bit more. You watch the way that they're talking to people, remembering people's mm. names, and all these things mm. that they just weren't mm. weren't expressing when they first mm. walked through the door. 
because you, know, you make us work together. Yeah, and, we force And there's it. things like getting <laughs> walked on, you know, you, yeah. you're just human touch. Yes. It's really touch important. is a big one for us. Mm. Uh, and it was, well, I think it came about from the fact that we start to, when you think about it, like there's people that will go through, they'll go months without somebody touching them. Mm. You know, that mm. human touch. Mm. Uh, it's, it's, I mean, for me, it's something I take for granted because I've got two kids under five. <laughs> and I can't, you can't get them off you, you know. <laughs> At times yeah. you're like, oh, get off me. My wife used to touch me, but she doesn't touch me as much anymore. <laughs> so they're kind of pushing you out the way. <laughs> <laughs> but um, there's a lot of people that don't get that. Yeah, it's know? really sad. And Actually, also you some can people even pay for, I'm working with, they're paying for massages and things. Yeah. But just to get a get sense that, of connection. It, yes. It's sad. Well, my, I work very culturally and I think Paul could, could vouch for this. Hello. Um, <laughs> Sorry I'm late. But okay. the Polynesian culture is all very, very. Uh, there's a lot of contact, you know. Mm-hmm. You can you can kiss and cuddle and that kind of stuff and lie on somebody. Uh, it's not necessarily the same in every culture as well, mm. you know. So there's all of these other other factors, but we like to bring a bunch of that to to our gym. Would you say that if you are that kind of person and you don't have that interaction, to and you feel like you're starting to get a bit isolated or you're not uh, getting um, that kind of that kind of love to get out there and and look for 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 that that for for a community. Absolutely, I always recommend that. Uh, it, there's only so much I think as a therapist you can do, and and that's part of what I'm trying to do is you can rec- create an intimate connection as a therapist, but it's a professional one, and they need real people in their lives, a sense of community, intimate relationships and friendships. But you also need a wider sense. Of where you are, and I think belonging, and, and you know how you do the garden and yeah. things like that. I think that's really great yeah. to, to feel a bit of a sense of purpose or yes. in your environment that you're contributing yeah, con- to that connection. It's, absolutely, it's yeah. it's really underrated. I think in terms of importance to mental health. Would you call that like a religion in a way? I'm not religious myself, and the in the in the conservative mm. like mm-hmm. terms. But if you look at it as a broader broader subject, it is like. Uh, knowing that you're connected to something bigger than yourself, you know? Well, I think that's why in every, every culture there is religion, mm. but I don't think we necessarily need it. It's just, some, it's just something that's developed yeah. out of that, that need for a sense of purpose and belonging and where you are in the world and, and in your community. We're, we've evolved as social beings and yeah. we've become increasingly socially disconnected. And it's interesting when I'm working with trauma, we, we, we go back to what we call critical... Memories or, or, or in their trauma history, and they c- and some of the people I'm working with have been exposed to horrific sexual abuse, physical abuse. They've they've been over and because as I work within defence, they've seen the worst some of the you know crimes of humanity and and people um, being um, you know really I guess deprived and and tortured and their their friends killed. Yet it's interesting, a lot of them will come back to a trauma as what we call attachment trauma. So we all have a need to be, to, to belong, I guess, but they'll identify something like um, when they were dropped off in an orphanage or when they, they were at the police station and no one came to pick them up. Or oh, wow. As, as their, their, the, the, trauma the trauma that most, most of them... It. And I help them identify that a bit. We've done a bit of work to get there in terms of their sense of worthlessness or, or whatever it is that's more pervasive for them. But that's what they come back to is, as a trauma that, that one of their earlier defining traumas that defines that sense of where that worthlessness began or their fear began or their need to, their perfectionism or whatever it is that we're working on often comes from an attachment trauma despite all these what, what we more tangible, I suppose, traumas. But neglect and attachment trauma and, and feeling like no one's there for you is, when, when you think of it, it's critical for survival. If you're um, outcast mm. from your tribe, so it's in the gene you, then. Yeah, to be yeah. Wanted. and we're completely relying on our parents. We we're social creatures, so we don't we don't really survive separately. Yeah. Mm. Okay. So you talk about connectivity, and you said you work with with teens as well. Is that right? I did when I first started. Yes, yeah. I haven't for a while, but I, I did work with teenagers. What um, what now? This mostly this indigenous teenagers. Okay. Yeah. Well, this um, this this is probably well. This is more relative to to the fitness industry as a whole, mm-hmm. and and its uh, and its and its relation to to Instagram and to 
Facebook and we've all seen it. Mm-hmm. Um, these new tools that are coming into and these variables are coming into to our lives and our kids' lives and that and our teenagers' lives and and these uh, the the um, the aesthetics mm. element um, and these comparisons, this ability to compare yourself to others. I mean, look for 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 an example. I could be, let's say, I'm, I'm impressionable. I'm young, um, and I'm I'm I get out of bed. I see myself in the mirror in the worst state I'm, I could ever <laughs> see myself in. And before I do that, I've checked my phone and I've already seen maybe 15, 20, 30 images of people more beautiful than me doing amazing things, getting uh, the best angles at the best shots of, of themselves. And then I get these, this look at me and if I have that day in and day out, what kind of implications can, can this kind of exposure have on, on an individual especially when it's relative to, to, to health and well-being. Mm-hmm. Is it healthy? Is our social media environment healthy for, for an individual? I, I think it will come back to how their belief sets and their, their sense of security and their perfectionism. Obviously, it's highly destructive for some people I've worked with that will compare themselves to social media. And it's obviously not an authentic version of self, which is what we no. w- what we really encourage a lot in psychology is that it's okay to feel sad, it's okay to feel angry. We've all got vulnerabilities. Just embrace your strengths, and sometimes there's strength in vulnerability. But that's certainly not what Instagram and social media ever portrays, does it? Really, nobody no. nobody puts that stuff up usually. The ugly shot. Yeah, <laughs> nobody. <laughs> not well, often. Oca- no. Occasionally, some people will will use that a bit. I'll go. This is just to show you what this is. But then they've still got the nice shots, don't they? It's oh, like yeah. one in ten. Oh look! I yeah. just woke up, but it's still kind of posed. But um, <laughs> yeah, oh, me out. without makeup, you know. But, um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, yeah, okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, it's really destructive, and obviously, teenagers are pretty impressionable. And I do think it, it puts a bit of extra pressure on them. I've got teenage boys; they don't seem to ascribe to that, thankfully. But I, th- I think particularly, um, I can, I've certainly noticed their girlfriends spend a lot of time wow. on it, and and that's really unhealthy. Yeah, and they're worried about likes and things and. Yeah. yeah, and it's a real contradiction in a way because you're on this this health journey, you, because you you know mm. while well, you th- you think you are, mm. and and you're aspiring to to this image mm. that's potentially unattainable anyway, mm. but you do everything that you think is healthy. You're taking this, you're taking yeah. the supplements, you're doing ah, the training, you're getting the tan, yeah. you're, you're sleeping there ten hours a day, you're doing everything that the pros are doing. Yeah, but at the same time, you're potentially decreasing your mental health. Mm-hmm. And which I, is a, which I think is a you'd probably agree with me that's not very sustainable from a physical perspective not anyway. Not sustainable from a yeah. physical perspective and it's going yeah. to decrease your ability to actually make physical gains. Mm. I've been guilty of that. So yeah. um, I think uh, what, what it can actually – you're right – what it can actually do is increase anxiety or levels of perfectionism. So, and that happened a lot in the pain management work I did. So we talk very much about working within your physical tolerances and just just staying beneath the pain threshold and, and really pacing out your activity and not overdoing things. But they really struggled with not have, not being able to push themselves right. because that's they had a degree of perfectionism that was present in their whole life. And to some degree it was self-serving. It meant they were highly motivated. They usually accomplished quite a lot. They But it, it only works. It's only sustainable to a certain degree. And it means they can procrastinate. So what they'd often do is I can't go back to work because, you know, I don't know if I can do an eight-hour day. But we know they can do six. Yeah. So what? But they wouldn't do it because that was that was subpar. Yes. So, so and this is where and, I, and it was affecting their physical health because they weren't maintaining a, a, a standard degree of, of day function, yeah. it, it, physical function, because they were just staying at home in their in their perfect rooms. Perfect or nothing. Yeah, 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 and and so that's an incredibly unhealthy mindset to have. So, what, uh, like, let's say, let's say I, I start to decrease my mental my, my mental health starts to starts mm. to to like to plummet a little. Uh, I'm in a good training routine. Let's go back to that scenario. And um, what is the physical connection to to your mental well being? Like, how 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 much is it really affected? Like, let's say, looking at symptoms of anxiety, uh, depression, 
What are you? What other what other symptoms have we got for for like for mental for mental health or declines in mental health? Um, I, I exercise is healthy for any mental health disorder. I guess yeah. anxiety and depression are our more commonly known mood disorders. Yeah. Um, and I actually I really uh, it's something I believe very strongly in my practice to to check their base levels of what they're doing physically yeah. and what they're eating and what their sleep's like, and we work on all those every session. And for something like depression, I might encourage more cardio because yeah. it's more invigorating, more motivating. But for, for something like, and similarly, something for anxiety can be really good. But if they've got a perfectionism element, you might find they're already reliant on a lot of cardio and they're burning out their central nervous system. So it's in this sort of hypersensitive, um, like really driven state all the time when we need to get it to relax and, and it might be more beneficial for them to do something like walking or... Some um, yoga. Some, so, uh, I, I think like in Jungle Brothers, you know, your mobility yeah. work, it's really good because uh, they'll be really tense and tight as well. Yeah. And so all of that's really, really healthy for them. So it's it depends a little on what, what they're affected by mm. because depression tends to slow everything down and it needs to be, you need to be woken up a bit. Yeah, you need to be motivated and anxiety. You've got a lot of nervous tension okay. and energy, so we need to relax that. And I'm guessing uh, the the body, your physic, your physicality will eventually it starts to reflect the the symptoms of of your mental health in a way. Mm. I mean, you can see when somebody's relaxed, calm, confident, mm. and having that interaction, but physically, their bodies can re, uh, can can reflect that as well. Mm. Would you say? Well, the brain chemical activity changes. That was going to be my next question. Yeah. Like how, why, if this is a case, like, how does it work? What's the connection between the brain and, and the body and the way uh, one particular symptom can have an effect on, 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 the f on the physical machine? A lot of that we're not entirely sure about. But uh, if you're depressed, for instance, it means you will describe feelings of physical fatigue often um, and you, your pain perceptions increased. So you might describe more pain than you would normally. Um, it can feel, people can feel like it's physically hard to move in quite severe states. Uh, anxiety, again, your pain perceptions increased. So I guess their capacity to feel like they can do as much is affected. But it's... Right. Um, and that's through, I, I think you were saying earlier before we started the podcast, through the, through the spinal column, was it? No. Yeah, yeah. Um, what, what's that, the, the spinal gateway? Yeah, for, that's for, what you're talking about. For pain? Yes. Um, which Deception. is... So I, I don't know. To explain that, I guess you could think of, say if you've been... I'm, I'm really bad for this, say if you're at the dentist or you're anticipating pain or something and somebody touches you and you jump away and it's, it didn't hurt but you've, you're anticipating that pain it increases the perception of pain that you might have and some of my uh, with the pain patients I'm working with they have highly sensitized central nervous systems and you can just even get them to imagine doing an activity that might cause pain and they will notice that sure. increase in pain so and that's at, at your spinal gateway because pain's a very important message that it gets sent to your brain so the and spinal so gateway if you, is, is if you the touch, spine itself or...? It's, it's, it's kind of like chemicals in, in your spine. And if you touch, say, a hot plate, it'll, duck, it'll sort of dart, your hand will dart back before you're even aware that, you know, you've touched it. So that's why it's almost like a, a brain in your spine, if you like. Um, and what happens is it will accelerate pain messages if you're anxious or depressed. Ah, uh, okay. Yes. So... We wouldn't feel pain if it wasn't received by the brain. So it's accelerating the amount of pain messages that go to the brain. But similarly, if you meditate, um, if you engage in more activity, these are all things that are found to help reduce that. Wow, that's so interesting. Mm. Both anxiety and depression. Yes. Yeah, Sensitivity that's to pain mm. increases. Mm. Physical pain we're talking. Yeah. Yes, yeah. yes. Yeah. Mm. So I guess it would go. You would you would say focusing on on your mental health would has has positive effect on your on your physical physical gains. Mm -hmm. So and, if you and are vice a, versa. Yeah, yeah, if you're in a in a in a uh, in a in a regular training routine, mm -hmm. uh, and um, you want to make more progress with your training, 
even mm. if you're in a in a stable state, still working on on making like working on your mental health mm. is going to have a, a positive effects on your on your physical physical gains, and then mm. working on physical gains, you use that also as ways to make you uh, get to increase your mental well-being. Absolutely, they just all feed off each other. Okay, so then what what does working on your mental health look like? What kind of stuff could we be doing that's going to help us get a stronger mental health? As as a basic guide, social interaction, that sense yep. of community, finding a sense of community. Two, three times a week kind of thing? More yeah, every I, day? I, th- I think, well, hopefully... Is there a minimum? It, it depends. Hopefully your work environment's got a good social environment. If you've, if you've got a partner and you've got family at home, you, you, that's Pretty obviously there. social interaction. But if you're at home on your own, you might need to make a bit more effort to get involved in your community. And, uh, but that's... Get a, out that's, there, plant some trees. That's essential social interaction, community. Join a cool gym. Yeah, join a cool gym. Don't go to fitness and then first. You, and then you... <laughs> well, fucking anytime <laughs> fitness. <laughs> that's not a healthy environment. That place is toxic. Do you know, I've, I've really I'm noticed... I'm not there. I'm <laughs> and I'm the biggest <laughs> social butterfly there is. <laughs> I've really noticed the difference since being here because I've had to go at like 4.30 in the morning recently to get there before work. And so I've gone to the one closer to work. Yeah, okay. And I'm like, oh, this is so boring. Oh, it's killer. It's, yeah, it's killer. Just, just the vibe. Is, yeah. I've really noticed it now since yeah. I've been here. Um, but yeah, obviously when you come here, you've got exercise, you've got the social interaction because you do things outside of the gym as well. And everybody, there's all the kind of games you play together and you know, the stretches where you need each other, which I, I really miss because they work really well. Yeah. Um, and that would that would kill a few birds with one stone, wouldn't it? Yeah. Because you need the social interaction, some sort of mindfulness or meditation exercise, but that could yep. be something Big like one. playing guitar or drawing or reading something that's a bit introspective. If you, tr- if you struggle with meditation, I really believe in music. that because it, it's, again, yeah. that's biofeedback music. when you're working with the breath. But yeah. music... Yeah, I do music and art. Like drawing with the kids and drawing. stuff like that. Because it just gets you in that using your creative brain yeah. and, and it just gets you in a different... Well, you're in a, a you different in state, aren't you? Well, I'm just yeah. focusing on something else. Yes. Like, I, yeah, all I'm focusing, like, when, when I'm drawing mm. is just on the lines and making it look good and what colour it is and... Mm. It's just like operating on a mm. really simplified level. Mm. But yeah, and then music. I sing. Mm. You sing? It's good for my mental health, but pretty bad <laughs> for <the> people <laughs> around <else>? me. <laughs> Do you really? Oh, yeah, in the shower and shit. He oh. does at the gym. Have I sing at the gym, yeah. <laughs> 80s Thursday night, 80s, 80s, <laughs> 80s movement prep. I'm belting them out. <laughs> I'd like to see you. Oh, fucking so tone deaf. A it video of you singing. And my poor daughter's got, got the same tone deafness. Does she? I think, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you've had 39 years to perfect oh, it. I don't know, bro. And yeah, <laughs> and yeah, yeah. I'd like you to show a bit, bit of vulnerability and uh, follow up this podcast with a video of you singing. You just for fun, man. You can do it. Or now. Yeah. Well, we're going to have a karaoke night. That's going to be good for mental health. Yeah. Besides the booze that everyone's going to be drinking. <laughs> we're going to have a carver night, actually. <laughs> carver night? Yeah. I actually, I actually think if you have a couple of drinks and, and that's social... Then that's healthier, that's and that, and that's we're talking about that yes. sort of extreme yep. perfectionist perfectionism. Say if mm. you're so obsessed with your health that you um, can't go out and enjoy a nice meal, or you can't socialise because that might seen mean that you might before. have one beer. Yeah. Or, yeah. I feel that that's getting into an unhealthy I've state because you're depriving yourself of socialisation. It's what yeah. most of the fitness industry is made of. Yeah, unhealthy, un- like that particular mm. model, mm. where mm. you're so obsessed with the health with health that it is no longer healthy. Mm. You know, mm. um, I had uh, I had a one of my friends' wives said to me, "Are you a, like a, a a fitness fanatic?" And I was like, "Those, those words don't even belong together." You know what I mean? You can't. Well, that's true. Said a health, I like that health response. fanatic, and I was like, mm. "They don't. Mm. They, they contradict each other." Mm. You cannot be a fanatic of anything and be mm. well, especially. Fitness and, mm. and be healthy. Mm. You know what I mean? There's going to be some kind of adverse effect to that mm. when you become obsessed with things, you know. <laughs> um, so we've got meditation. We've got or social interaction or some yeah. kind of mindfulness. Mm. Um, Lots of sleep. Good sleep. Good nutrition. Good nutrition. Choose your, your company wisely. 
kind of thing. So being a being a healthy environment, you don't want to be hanging out with. I mean, you want social interaction, but you don't want to be like you know with the wrong people in a nice town. Uh, or really uh, dysfunctional intimate relationships can really have a huge impact. I'm sure I don't yeah. have to say that, right? It, but yeah. yeah. When people are in an unhealthy intimate relationship, it can get very unhealthy. Mm, yeah. So stay yeah. away from those ones. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and get so get around the right people. Uh, have a good community. Have mm. good uh, meditation, good training, mm-hmm. healthy food. Yeah. Would have to be a good one, obviously. Feed the body, feed the brain. Yep. So things like um, things like having plenty of fish oil can be just as effective as antidepressants. Amazing. Uh, yeah. Vitamin B is also very good for like anxiety, ver- ver- stress. Ver- good variety of, yep. of food. You can yep. listen to our podcast yep. on nutrition if you need any help there. Mm. We also have a podcast coming up on on um, on meditation. So if you want to delve further into those areas, listen on. Mm. That's true. Um, Johnny Marsh is coming on. Who is, sorry? Uh, John Marsh, uh, a friend, a fellow gym owner who lives in in Melbourne. There's a cool mm-hmm. gym down there in Melbourne. He'll be coming in this mm-hmm. afternoon actually mm-hmm. for that. And then I guess uh, you're talking about stress levels. Mm-hmm. So being in that high stress environment, maybe trying to taper that off a little bit kind of thing. Or do you think that more, more, I mean, obviously it depends on the individual, the mm. tolerance levels and that, but... Uh, these are other ways that you can mm. kind of manage or it's it's know. interesting because because I think particularly for depression sometimes I would like them to increase their stress so sometimes okay. stress is an, is a bit of a negative word but we need a little bit of it I guess a, a bit similar to what when you need to put your body under yes. stress sometimes for it to grow exactly. we yeah. need that for our brain and our emotional Challenge resilience it. to grow so but it's yeah. about doing it gradually but it depends on I guess the individual because some people push themselves too far and need to learn to bring it back yeah and some people, you know, may not be pushing themselves. It's all about as balance, much. really, yeah. then, isn't it? Absolutely, yeah. it always is. Finding I that think. balance. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, nice. And of course, I think seeing a psychologist, and I don't think you have to be unwell to get benefit from seeing a psychologist. Some of my best results are people that they don't have a mental health disorder. They just might come in and say, you know, I, I don't feel like I'm assertive enough at work, or I'm not sure where I want to go at work, or I've had a few issues with some of my relationships. And I, I get really good results with them. They can really turn their whole lives around mm. because I'm working with like someone a psychic. that's <laughs> kind of, <laughs> kind of. It, it seems to. It's it's interesting when you work on a few things how your whole world can kind of just follow and fall into place. But, but they're they're already coming in quite healthy. Whereas when people wait till they're very unwell, I've, it's it's really hard just sometimes getting them out of the house. Yeah. But if they're already working and and you know have have reasonable friendships, but they just just feel they could push themselves a little more or, you know, it, people come for different reasons. I get really good results quite quickly with them. So you don't have to be unwell to see a psychologist. I get a lot of my my long-term PT clients um, getting asked, why are you seeing a PT? Like, you're in great, great condition and they're like, well, that's why why I'm in good condition. Absolutely. You know? I think it's just uh, acknowledging that area of your health mm. and giving it some time. There's, there's always room to grow. Yeah. 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 Yeah, for sure. So let's say let's say you're struggling mm-hmm. with mental health. Like you you feel like maybe you've you've recognised someone close to you is going uh, falling into a, in a into a bad place or getting some showing some signs that we've talked mm. about earlier in the show. Or you may be feeling them yourself. What uh, where where do you go from there? What uh, what what um, are there any phone calls you can make? People can reach out to you perhaps. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I, I think contacting a psychologist and you don't yep. have to, as I said, for, the, for those people that are already well or, or doing quite well, sometimes I only need to see them a few times and that can make a huge difference. Um, and th- so the earlier the better. But if so how would someone get in contact with you then? Just Google. Google. Yeah, psychologist, your area. You might It might take you a while to find someone that sit, fits your s- style or right. you feel you so can connect with. So chop around a bit. Yeah. Possibly. Yeah. yeah. Don't just go with the first one, would you say? Or um, if you if you connect with the first one and you feel they understand you and you feel they've given you a few ideas that are good to work with, then sure, stick with them. But some people, I've just heard many a time people come to me and and they're often quite unwell by that stage and they've tried a couple of times but they've said the psychologist has said something they didn't agree with or they didn't, didn't like or them. and then they've just gone, well, that doesn't work for me. Right. When we're all a bit okay. similar with personal trainers, right? You, yeah. You, there's some you connect with and some that work better for you and some that understand. There's some shit ones out there too. <laughs> 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 I 
well, what I would ask is there's some shitty shit psycho- psychologists out there. I think have to be fucked. Every profession shit, is a bit like that, yeah. right? There's there's there's, there's, there's some that are better well. than others. We've been so, doing yeah. it too long and stuff. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Some uh, jaded one. Yeah. yeah. Um, when, it, when I first came here, I had a personal trainer and I was seeing him for six months. And then I came here and I'm like, I've learned more in my, you know, the classes, the session I had with you uh, yeah. to just join the gym. And I was yeah. like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what about uh, Beyond Blue? You mentioned them. Yeah. So that's another 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 avenue you could yeah you can those guys a call? give them a call and get get some even if that's to get some ideas on, on where to start in terms of there's it, some great self help guides out on the internet yeah um, if you feel you can't afford a psychologist although you can get ten sessions under Medicare to so and and again you you just have to go into your doctor and and get a referral and just describe some of the symptoms you might be having yeah I knew a few people who use that yeah, yeah it's, it's great it's pretty straightforward. Yeah. There's, there's quite there's a f- number of help organisations I think there's like the kids helpline as well like more specific to different demographics. Is there a kids help helpline? I'm not working not? with kids yeah, as okay. much anymore. Yeah. I used to refer them to that, so yeah. I, but I'm there not. There is, but I've forgotten what they're called. You hear it on the radio over now. I think it's kids helpline. Right. Yeah. But but anyway, them together. The main yeah. thing is that you get out, you reach out. Yeah. Don't uh, don't suffer in silence. Mm. Find some some help. Yeah. Take action, yeah, like you would with your, with your, with any other area of your health. Absolutely, and the sooner you get on top of it, the, the easier it is to manage. Oh yes, uh, early mm. intervention is you important. Can, even if you d- if you do get to mental health disorder criteria, you can get c- tremendous benefit in as little as four to six sessions from seeing a psychologist. So there's evidence to suggest that. So if you have what we call an uh, an adjustment disorder and you don't have that biological disposition towards anxiety depression but we all certainly have a susceptibility if we put enough yes. stresses on us you know there might be go there a death in the family particularly bad job you're in or um you know a, a few of your friends have moved away or a few things that a physical injury and the, and business partners are like beaten down <laughs> <don't you dare. laughs> means means that you start to, to getting to off your back <laughs> <laughs> And you might you might get into that zone, that zone if you like where your your brain starts to the, the chemical activity is affected and you start to think and feel a bit differently to how you used to and you're noticing sim- physical symptoms of say heart palpitations or sweating or you know which would look at anxiety or if depression you're not sleeping and um, you're feeling very fatigued and unmotivated and your appetite's reduced and things like that. Physical it's still as little as your mental state. yeah, and they and they give you ten sessions for a reason because that's usually what they assume you can if it's it's more it's an adjustment disorder and you you get in early you should be able to it's just like a pack of PTs. Yeah. That's yeah, right. <laughs> Take at least ten sessions to make those changes. <laughs> yeah, and they're all uh, oh. neurological as well. PT mm. slash patterns. psychologist breaking those patterns. Mm. <laughs> well, anyway, I'm, oh wow, have you got? I got just a question. I don't know if you answered it before, but we were talking about like, what do you do if we feel depressed or we're falling out of cycle, dark hole, whatever? But like, yeah, if I if I see someone that's a friend. Um, mm. Or a family member that seems to be falling in that direction. Mm. Um, what, you know, what's something that I can do? It's always hard. Like, you know, it you is. come across them and you're like, oh, what do I do? Bro, you I reach out. We, went, we already went there, bro. You went there? Yeah. So tell me the three things that I have to do. <laughs> you have to listen to the start of the <laughs> Let them know podcast. that I'm there. I'm there for them. <laughs> right? Yeah, absolutely. Yes. Put a bit more extra effort into maybe being there for them. You might have to contact them a bit more because even though they need yeah. social contact, yep. Yep. they tend to withdraw. Um, but that's because they might be having anxious thoughts about oh, I can't be around people like yeah. this, or and and they withdraw more and more when that's what they need. But, um, and Unless they feel, they're losing their shit. Yeah, they feel they? people understand. And I think if you gently gently encourage them to get help, and you can maybe break that by saying, look, you know, we yeah, I, I've I've had times to professional help. I've yeah. had times where I've felt like this. Great if you've even seen somebody and. and I've had a lot of people come to me because their friends have recommended me yeah. or they've they've just said, oh, my, my friend said it really helped them, so I thought I'd come. I think the more we have these sorts of conversations that normalise mental health yeah. because everybody is susceptible to it mm. and everybody reaches that, what, oh, sorry, one in five we spoke about reaching yes, that what? disorder, cri- disorder mm. criteria. One in five, one in, five. Yeah. in Australia or yeah. Wor- worldwide, would you say? I know that's Australia. Probably more in Western uh, culture yeah. than... Yeah, it's it's difficult to say. Is that because we have more awareness, or you, you know, the, the 
a, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. There's or certainly some some cultures that seem to mm. fare a little bit better. Yeah. I think due to often due to social connectedness. Mm. Yeah, it's totally. Mm. Nice. Well, I think we're out of time. Okay. Are you uh, Anna, thank you so much for coming in today. Thanks I think for having there's me. a lot of people out there that will listen to this and get heaps from I hope from so. It. I was a bit nervous. I know. So. I got heaps <laughs> from it. It was great. Okay. Good. Thank Good. you so much. And we miss you here at Jungle Brothers. We'd love to have you back once your timetable's not so busy. Yeah, I'd love to come back. I've been missing it. So once I can square the business up a bit more, I'll be back for sure. Great. Okay. Thank you. Okay. Thanks a lot, Anna. Thank you.